Welcome. This is a human interest podcast made up of stories about people who are traveling about by train or bus. The stories, 15 or 20 minutes long, are based on actual experiences that have occurred across the United States. Rails and Trails Podcast, Series 1, Episode 2, Storming Across Pennsylvania. The Greyhound Station is in the heart of downtown Philadelphia, just a block and a half from the Reading Terminal Market, one of the most vibrant urban markets in the country and a terrific place to get a delicious meal. My Uber dropped me off near the entrance of the terminal at 10th and Filbert, and I considered walking over to the market for some dinner before all the shops would be closed. I decided to check on the status of my bus before venturing up the street. Of course, I was hit up for cash or cigarettes multiple times before reaching the terminal entrance. Inside the doors, things were hopping. Travelers were lined up for impending departures, while the rest of the joint was bursting with people waiting for later buses. The constant intercom announcements blurred into an unceasing electronic cackle. Lots of people were hanging around inside just to stay warm. It was winter in Philly. Periodically, a station employee would come around and check tickets. Having no ticket led to getting bounced. It was 5.45 p.m. I was scheduled to leave at 7 o'clock. The departure board indicated a delay, but it gave nothing definitive and there was no additional information available from the ticket agent. I thought again about going to the Reading Terminal. I was hungry, and it would be well into the next day, for there would be an alternative to food from a vending machine. Still, I didn't want to risk missing my bus, so I reluctantly passed on the opportunity. An unfortunate mistake. This was going to be a long night. I was traveling to Chicago on a route that would take me to Pittsburgh, then a transfer over to Columbus, through Dayton, and then on to Indianapolis. From Indy, I would have a tolerable four-hour bus trip back up to Chicago. I calculated that I could spend most of the nighttime sleeping. It was a naive calculation, and I knew better. There is little sleep to be had on the night bus. Sometime around 9.30 p.m., the bus from New York City finally arrived at the terminal. People were frustrated and irritated by the extended delay. The steel mesh seats inside most bus stations resemble prison fixtures. After a few hours, the discomfort depletes the kindest soul of patience. All of us were ready to get on board and get the hell out of Philly. The boarding process went smoothly enough, and in short order I heard the familiar honking as the driver backed out of the passenger loading zone. We released a collective sigh of relief, but there was no relief in our future. The driver was highly conversational. He was overly conversational. To be frank, he was amped up. In his pre-departure instructions, he spoke of being a member of an elite special forces unit in Europe. He added that he was a world championship athlete, and an expert in martial arts. What he seemed to be more than anything else was effed up. We were 15 minutes away from the station, 
when the skunky aroma of weed floated in from the darkness at the rear of the bus. Few passengers voiced complaints without particularity. A couple families were traveling with small children, and they appealed for it to stop out of concern for the kids. Our driver pulled to an abrupt stop and walked decorously down the aisle, stressing that no one in their right mind would be doing that on his bus. Halting irony conjoined to his every word. He relished every word he spoke, which fostered an endless epistle. He stood among us, a lecturer at once both engine and fuel, as he became increasingly enamored with the extravagance of his autobiography. Eventually, he was back at the wheel, surging westward on I-76, but our progress was short-lived. Suddenly, the bus took an exit at King of Prussia, and we were cutting through neighborhood streets, seemingly going in circles. This went on for 20 minutes before we pulled up alongside a curb by a building without noticeable markings. It was dark, except for the light coming out of the window in a single exterior door. The driver announced that he had to take care of something and would be back shortly. He declared that this was not a smoke break. After exiting the bus, he locked the door from the outside. We were cordoned off inside the bus, waiting for 40 minutes before he emerged from the building and got back on the coach. I don't believe he anticipated the tidal wave of grievance he encountered as he climbed back into his seat. Passengers were annoyed and dumbfounded by the incredulous thing that had just happened. And we were still in a Philly suburb. He worked his way back over to 76, and we began the trek over to Harrisburg, our first scheduled stop. The dialogue between the driver and the passengers had changed. Everyone was suspicious of what was behind the impromptu trip into King of Prussia. And after our delinquent departure, adding 40 minutes of additional delay was inconceivable. Snow was getting heavy as we got to Harrisburg. Occasionally it would revert back to rain, but it was clear that a serious weather system was rapidly developing. About 10 new passengers boarded in Harrisburg. We weren't full, but we had an ample manifest. Back on the interstate, the weather was declining. Gusting winds with a blend of thunderstorms and heavy snow were in full force. Furthermore, our driver seemed unable to control the bus under his present condition. We were headed into higher elevations with heavy semi-truck traffic and dangerous mountain curves, and of course, a series of mountain tunnels. The wipers struggled to move the heavy snow accumulating on the windshield. It was a harrowing ride all of the way from Harrisburg to Western PA. By this point, any respect for this driver or his position had vanished. Passengers were screaming at him as we nearly sideswiped an 18-wheeler. Blinding visibility offered no pause in passing other traffic in either lane. This individual was in no condition to drive, but he seemed to fancy himself the motor coach equivalent of Mario Andretti in the midst of a winter storm. Fellow travelers pleaded with him to stop, to take a break or get some coffee. Shouts reminding him that there were little children and infants on board were ineffective. His response was indignant, and we surged on through fierce elements 
with the hope that maybe we'd get pulled over by a trooper. Maybe seven hours after leaving Harrisburg, we arrived in Pittsburgh, collectively feeling like we had survived a nightmare. We did survive a nightmare, a living nightmare. In an alternative podcast, our PTSD might have been met with empathy. That's not how it went down. It was four o'clock in the morning, and the reception I experienced felt like I had just arrived back in boot camp. Don't pick up your suitcase yet. I'll let you know when you can pick that up. Sir, yes, sir. The best way to describe the environment of a busy bus station during the overnight hours, particularly when weather has added to the pandemonium, is to call it what it is, a clusterfuck. Passengers are exhausted. Staffing is limited and overwhelmed. Drivers are spent if they've been behind the wheel and understandably averse if they're readying themselves to strike out with a coach full of humanity. Such was the atmosphere in Pittsburgh. Still, what was lacking in empathy was made up for in efficiency. As soon as a connection arrived, they were getting them turned around to ship out another load of human cargo. In a bit more than an hour, I was on my way to Columbus. I was asleep before reaching the edge of the city limits and woke up only as we pulled up to the station in Columbus. The bus station is a pretty nice facility. It's reasonably well-maintained and features an on-site cafe that serves a decent cup of coffee. I went inside. It was a smoke stop, and although I don't smoke, I was up for a cup of joe to cut through the haze of my scorched brain. I sat in the terminal with my coffee, and studied the behavior of a small colony of sparrows, a dozen or so, that had taken up residence inside the station. With no further delay, we boarded for Dayton, and it was back onto I-70 and the presence of daylight. Dayton was a mere touch and go, and soon we were being welcomed to the crossroads of America. I reflected on this designation wondering what authority established Indiana accordingly. Are these titles created by the state legislatures or by a federal action? Does a tourism commission sitting in a modular office space in Indianapolis have the final say in making such an arbitrary proclamation? Such are the mental wanderings following an all-nighter from hell. The ride over to Indy was delightfully uneventful as we rolled through the pastoral landscape of the eastern side of the state. Arriving in the greater metropolitan area, our driver drove skillfully through the city's outskirts before guiding the bus toward downtown. As we pulled into the station, located in the wholesale district, under the watchful eye of the Peyton Manning statue, right across the street at Lucas Field. With my backpack and roller bag, I headed straight for the men's room in the far corner of the terminal. I walked into flames leaping three to five feet above the trash can. Voice from inside a stall questioned, Is someone smoking out there? I did an about face to go inform the custodial staff. Before I got to them, others made the same discovery and decided to broadcast it to everybody in sight. Chaos ensued and we were soon being evacuated while the fire department was summoned to the scene. I guess this journey required yet another round of clamor and commotion. After the smoke cleared, we were permitted re-entry 
and lined up to board to our various destinations. Images of being back in Chicago were at the forefront of my mind, and I felt strangely encouraged on the trip north on 65. Randomly, a woman took up the seat beside me and handed me a phone number. She said it was her brother's number and implored me to phone him when I got to Chicago and let him know she was okay. I offered her the use of my phone to call him right now, but she declined. I should only call him when I got to Chicago, not before. She would be exiting the bus before we got there. In Chicago, I tried to reach her brother, but it was not a working number. Hey everybody, this is Daniel, and I want to thank you for spending some of today with Rails and Trails podcast. The work of Rails and Trails is to bring you stories based on actual human events that have happened while out across the country traveling on trains and buses. The mission of Rails and Trails is to look for the sacred in these human interactions. So far as possible, the stories are presented in an unvarnished manner. Only first names are used to preserve anonymity. I am guided by the idea that God comes to us in the grit and grain of our daily lives. And I have no doubt completely missed plenty of those visits. The illustrative account in Matthew 25 shows me what this looks like. And it's a text with the capacity to make me shudder. Each person introduced in this podcast is a human being and is due the same dignity as all of us. I am grateful for your interest in the podcast and humbly appreciate all supporters and subscribers. I love hearing from you. If you haven't yet subscribed, I hope you will do so today. Rails and Trails is my creation and is produced by Second Half LLC. Thanks again.